I made a decision to, I wanted to learn to live the way God wanted me to with His wisdom because my wisdom, my thinking, my ways had ruined my life and destroyed my world. So I thought I'd start all over again. And uh, I started reading Proverbs again. But this time I didn't read it for, to get lessons out of it. I didn't read it to find verses that I could preach on. What I was looking for was I was looking for God's wisdom for me to help me how to make the right choices, how to make me make better choices, how to help me live the kind of life that would please the Lord and bless other people. Really, I was looking to rebuild my life. Well, when we started meeting, years ago when we started meeting, uh, y'all didn't have much of a choice. I just said every year, sometime during the year, we're going to read through Proverbs. We're going to talk about them. We're going to discuss them. We're going to pray over them. We're going to memorize them. We're going to try to try to let the wisdom of God get in our heads so hopefully it'll change the way, our, well, change our hearts, which eventually will change our lives. What I want you to do first, your first breathe out exercise after you found Proverbs, is tell me a proverb. Tell me a proverb, a word of wisdom from God that's been a help to you. No Sunday school answer. I don't want Sunday school answers. I don't want... There's nobody here you need to impress. Tell me some a verse that's really helped you. A word from God, a wisdom from God that's been any kind of benefit to you. Thank God, don't trust yourself. Yeah. And, and that Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Man, that one was, the, I was one of the first ones that really got my attention because that's what I had done. That's why I was in the mess I was in is because I was leaning on my understanding. I had had it all figured out in my head. I was doing things the way I wanted to, and it got me in a bind. Tell me a, a word from God in Proverbs that's been a help to you, that's a blessing. Proverbs 17, we'll talk about before trouble breaks out, sometimes you just need to drop the matter. That can make a huge difference in your marriage. Just learn to drop it. What wisdom from God? Proverbs 4 says guard your heart. What would you learn from it? All right. What have you learned? It works. That's right. It may be the very first proverb I ever memorized because my <laughs> teacher, Miss Nichols, taught us that. My mother lived it, and I hope before I die, I will learn it as well. Louise? Um, guard your thoughts, study times, and get right with the Lord. Can you tell me the chapter? <coughs> don't, no, not Louise. She did the work. You tell me. No, don't peek. Don't peek. 
It rhymes with? Try some more. Chapter 24. But let's, let's talk about it, okay? Though a righteous man fall seven times. What, what does that tell you? Even good men make stupid decisions. Even good men, righteous men, do shameful things. Righteous men fall, what do they do? They get back up. Because they know as long as you're breathing, you still have hope. Get up. Keep moving forward. That's chapter 24. Try some more. Wisdom from God, some phrase, some word from God that's been helped you be wise, that's helped you in a situation. Hate what God hates. And yeah, we got it in stereo. Uh, and let's take a minute. Um, my mother really struggled with this one because it had the word hate in it. Because when we were little, boy, she taught us over and over, don't you say the word hate. In fact, you weren't even allowed to say the word hate, much less express that you had that emotion. And I understand why. Because you don't want to hear your kids say something like, I hate my English teacher. Though I did. Uh, you don't want to hear that. But, and it's not the proper use of the word. But there is, is there a truth that we are to hate what God hates. Yeah, that's his point in Proverbs 6. And if I can, what's, what's the benefit of hate? Now, it sounds odd to ask it, but what's the benefit of hate? It's protection, and it, it helps, makes it easier for you to guard your heart. There are some things, and I'm going to go way extreme, and those of you who are visiting are going to have to see me later to fuss with me about it. Our folks we have gone through this. There are some things and there are some people that God wants us to hate, to protect ourselves from. I'm fine with you arguing with me. It happens all the time, even in my home, especially in my home. All right, last call. Tell me a word from God, a word of wisdom that comes from God that's blessed you, that's helped you, that's had some kind of influence over your thinking or the, your actions or reactions. It's going to be what causes you the bruises and the complaints and the hurts, yeah. Tell me what you've heard from the Proverbs. Brad introduced us to the thought of anger. Tell me what you've, what do you remember from the Proverbs? You can only use Proverbs. 
I'd prefer you not to peek, but you're going to anyway, so go ahead. All right? I don't know why I would e even expect otherwise. Roger. It will head that way. He is not wise. What do you know about anger? From the Proverbs. What do you remember? Anything catch your attention? And the reason I'm focusing on that one is because uh, the chapter we're in today is going to mention it over and over again. Yes, if I get angry, then I will, if you do something to make me angry, then I want to do something that hurts you. God says, no, 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 no paybacks. I can't stop the anger from happening. You're going to hear me say this so often, it's going to become, you're going to get tired of it. You can't stop yourself from becoming angry, but you can control how you react to the anger. The anger is an emotion that's going to happen. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something. And sometimes you see it coming, sometimes you don't. But what you have to do is learn how to control your reaction to that anger. What do you know about anger? From the Proverbs, and I know I'm limiting you, but tell me what you know about God, God's wisdom about anger. And we're going to see that today. Pride, selfishness is at the root of that anger. It's what causes that. We expect that somebody should treat us different than they do. We, sh we expect that somebody should do something for us that they don't do. It's our pride. Last call. This is a tougher exercise than I thought. Or y'all are just being lazy today. Yeah. Ah, you remember in 19, it's man's wisdom that brings about his patience. If I can see things like God sees them, then I don't lose patience. If I can see the big picture, then this little thing that's happened, somebody not waiting on me at a store, somebody cutting me off in traffic, my husband or my wife arguing and back-talking and sometimes begging, you know. When that happens, when that happens, if I could step back, and that's what we don't do, if I could step back and see the big picture, I'd think, this is not that big a deal, so why turn it into such a big deal? So rather than letting this argument cause a breach in the dam, why don't I just overlook the offense? It's to a man's glory, it says, to do that. We've kind of said, our culture's kind of, well, if you're a man, you know, you don't put up with that kind of stuff. And it's not usually the word stuff I hear in jail, but you don't put up with that. And if you're a man, if you're a wise man, you overlook that offense. You don't feel like you have to respond. All right. Before we read 29...
before we read 29 and learn some more about anger and how we react to it, let's pray. Lynn, uh, pray for us. God said if we ask for wisdom, He'd give it. So let's pray and ask God to give us wisdom. We're going to look at the first verse of chapter 29. It's the first verse we're going to study. I'm going to ask you to exercise one more time though. So hold your finger on verse 1. We're coming there. But two times, two times in Proverbs 29, he'll use the word snare. Give me, what, is, what does snare mean? Trap. There are things out there. Brad talked about it in his life. There are things that trap us. Okay? Alright? There are things that trap us. Six, verse 6 says, An evil man is snared by his own sins. So we understand. There's a trap out there. What I want us to do though, confess. Let's be honest. Let's breathe it out. Tell me what your snare is. What's your snare? What traps you? And I know this is not easy. I know this is not easy. What traps you? Passion. What traps you? Pride. Pride does. FOMO. Huh? FOMO. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like, I don't think I'm going to miss something and I get distracted by all kinds of things and lose focus. Mm -hmm. I thought he was cussing. I didn't know. That wouldn't be unusual in here, but I just didn't recognize that word, you know. And I was going to explain to our visitors, welcome to this church. All right, yeah. Um, what snares you? What's a snare? And it's our reaction, our expectation of them to act like we think they should act. Not necessarily the way we act, right? It's not necessarily that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, that what I should do or not doing what I should not do. It's they're not doing what I think they should or should not do. And then it creates in me a frustration and immediately I get to share that frustration with... Everybody on Facebook, yeah, yeah, there you go. Or the person that's closest to me. 
All of a sudden, that bent up irritation, all that frustration, all of that anger, it comes out with the people that didn't do those things that I am frustrated about. Anybody understand how that feels? It, I, don't lie to me. I know you, so hold up your hand. Anybody deal with that? I'm waiting to see you. There you go. Yeah. Welcome to this church. You get called out. Yeah. What cause? What's a snare for you? Um, anybody in this room, anybody in this room know anything about getting real excited about something, starting a project, whatever the project is, and then once you get into the project, that passion cools off, and you step away from it, and you have a, you have a, you have a drawer in your house, or a room, a closet in your house, and I'm helping those of you, or a room in your house, or a garage in your house or a storage building behind your house, or rented a storage room for somebody where you're paying more than that stuff is ever going to be worth? Or all of the above. Yes, that's, that honesty. So that impulsiveness is it can become a snare. It's what can distract us. It's that fear of missing out on every, other things. All right? Last call. What's your snare? Ooh, Donnell said it, and I saw some heads nod, and then I saw some other people look. So I'm not going to say who was looking at whom, but uh, anybody in here have the thought that you really have any kind of control? Anybody? Nobody's even going to hold up their hand on that one. You do, don't you? you? You don't think you're controlling. You just have a certain way things should get done. But the way you react to the person that doesn't do what you think you want to exercise, sometimes you withhold affection. Or sometimes you take a, a certain tone, not just in what you say, but how you look at them. You try to get them to do things your way because you believe that's the only, it's the best way. And it may be the best way, but is it the only way? Um, I heard one not long ago. You cook, I'll clean. You, you cook the meal, I'll do the dishes. Okay, so there's an expectation of what time you're going to eat, right? That would make sense. If you're going to cook supper, what time would you have supper? Give me a time. Six o'clock? When would you have supper? You don't want the person cooking the supper to say, well, I'll get to it. Would you? But the person doing the dishes, oh, I'll get to them. Yeah, I'll get to them. I'll get to them. And then when they're there three days later, there's an issue. 
Well, I told you I'd do them. Yeah, but sometime in the next calendar year, okay, right? So we, that idea of control causes all kinds of tension, all kinds of, and it comes from our expectations of what other people should do. All right, now let's look at the snare. There's three that just jump out of this chapter. Look at verse 1. The stiff-necked man, after many rebukes, will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. What does stiff-necked mean? Stubborn. A stubborn man. A man that cannot fill in the blank. A man that cannot take correction. Chapter 12 says he's stupid. I didn't write it. God said it. A man that, or woman that can't allow somebody to correct them. If they get angry, if they hate correction, and I love you, but you know we struggle with that. Our mates want to tell us, ooh, ooh, ooh that light's red, that's light red, or there's somebody coming, or you need to stop, you need to stop, you need to slow down, you need to... And all of a sudden, what do we do? We get defensive, we get irritable, and all they're trying to do is help us. They're trying to protect us. You correct me, you make me smarter. Do I like it? Not necessarily. But if it makes me smarter, that's a better thing. If it protects me, that's a better thing. Now, we can't turn that around. You cannot become the stupid police. You cannot go around telling, well, the reason you hate corrections is because you're stupid. No, you don't turn it. You're just supposed to, you wear it, not somebody else, right? So the man without, that is stiff-necked, he can't accept correction. What else? Keep going. The man that cannot accept correction, or the man that is stiff-necked, he cannot... He can't change because he is stubborn. Keep going. He cannot... His pride is more important than... Doing what's right, protecting himself, that kind of... Keep going. And Brad's answer twice, no more. He's not going to bail you out. This one's too important to let... I'm, I'm not going to say it. You've got to think through this one. Because some of us have that issue. I love you, but some of us have that issue. We kind of think that our way is the way. And we kind of got that stiff neck. And we think that we are doing it like it ought to be done. And everybody ought to do it our way. And if somebody's doing it different than we do... And I mean, it can be anything from... The way you raise your kids, the way you put them down for a nap, or when you put them down for a nap, or if you put them down for a nap, or how you drive your just the, the list is long and long and long and long. Tell me, the stiff man cannot, he can't compromise. The stiff neck man cannot, he cannot, and Brad said the magic word. He cannot learn from his mistakes. I know that's true because of the, less, the text. What does he say? The stiff-necked man after many rebukes. Has this guy done wrong before? Has he had somebody correct him before? Has he had somebody sit down with him and say, Brother, that's just not the right way? And what does he do? He ignores it. He bows up. He's stubborn. And what's headed? Where is he headed? He's headed for destruction, and it will be what kind of destruction? And this one's scary, folks. Look at that next phrase. What's that last phrase? Without remedy. What does that mean? There is no rescue. God can't fix him after this. There will be no remedy. Are there people God will judge where there is no remedy? 
Yeah, Bible's full of those kind of illustrations, right? So, what do I need to hear from that? What do I need to hear? What do you hear in that? What do you hear? Matthew 18 is, tells us we're supposed to be correcting. 1 Corinthians 5 says we're supposed to be correcting. Lots of places tell us, I want us to back up. I want to turn around the other. If I'm the stiff-necked guy, if I'm the guy that will not listen to correction, I'm headed toward trouble. So what do I need to do? I need to humble myself. My pride is not... I've got to let go of that pride. I've got to admit that I made the mistake. I've got to not blame it on anybody else. There's a jillion answers here. But the idea is if I'm a stiff-necked guy, I'm headed toward trouble. And I'm not pointing to you. I'm not saying if you're stiff-necked, you're headed into trouble. I'm telling you if I'm stiff-necked, if I don't learn from my mistakes, if I don't learn from my mistakes, I'm headed toward judgment, destruction with no remedy. Learn from your mistakes. That'll keep you out of that snare. All right? Now... The next, and it just jumps out at you. I'm going to have you read several verses real quick. Look at verse 8. Mockers stir up a city, but a wise men, wise men turn away. Verse 8. Wise men turn away anger. Verse 9. If a wise man goes to court with a fool, the fool rages and scoffs. There is no peace. Verse 11. A fool gives... Read it so you know I'm not making it up. A, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but the wise man keeps himself under control. Keep reading. 22. An angry... Uh, you say it. An angry man does what? Stirs up trouble. He stirs up... And a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Alright, so I want you to focus back on verse 11 right quick. That's so there's another snare in this text. Not only is this, I have a pride snare, a snare, my pride can get me in trouble that will cause me to be destroyed without remedy. But also my anger will. Now give me an example, just so we're on the same page. Give me an example of a healthy, holy, acceptable anger. All right, when, the, when Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple, he had a healthy, holy anger. Now, I haven't been in the temple and I haven't seen any money changers, so now put it in my life. What's a holy, healthy anger in my life? I was thinking, you know, with the, the chapter 6, hate what God hates. So just in those lists, I mean, there's some of those like a lying tongue. Somebody that, that lies to you, I mean, it makes you mad. It's, All right. it's not good. Ex Proverbs 6 with Proverbs 11. 29. There are things that are going to make you angry. Somebody lies to you. It makes you angry. Is that a righteous anger? Yes, it's a righteous anger. Yes, it is right to feel angry about that. Now, can you run over him in your pickup? 
No, you're not allowed to do that. Are you allowed then to lie back to him? I'll get back at him. I'll teach him a lesson. No, 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 no. We're not in charge of the lessons. God will take care of the lessons. We need to do what, what we're supposed to do, right? So what if, if there is a healthy anger, there may be an unhealthy anger. What's an unhealthy anger? Yeah, the anger that retaliates. My little criminales in post, they tell me, they get in a fight. Somebody will start a fight with them, and uh, they get in trouble when they fight back, and they'll say, well, man, I just defended myself. I said, okay, now explain to me how you were defending yourself. You were sitting on the guy's chest, poke, punching him in the face. How were you defending yourself? Well, he started it. So if he starts it, what, is that, what do they think they're allowed? They're going to finish it. So that's self-defense. No. That's full vent of your anger. The guy punches you in the back of the head because he's mad at you. So you get him down and punch his face until you don't recognize him. How does that work? Right? So the fool gives full vent to his anger. One more time. I didn't write it. The fool gives full vent to his anger. Okay, Brad just, uh, he just brought up a good point. I can full vent my anger to the person that hurt my feelings. I can full vent it to my mate. I can full vent it to my brother or my sister. I can full vent it. Or I can vent it to everybody else about my brother or sister, my wife, my kids, whatever. And neither one of those is going to solve the issue. Neither one of those is going to help the issue. So talk to me, why do we full vent our anger? Why does anybody... And I'm not saying you do it. Just let's be, let's be uh, counselors. Let's be analytical. Hang on, I'm being analytical. Okay, now why do we do it? We think we have a right to it. And honestly, we've been taught it by counselors that if you hold your anger in, it'll destroy you. So you've got to let it out. There are counselors, and they even... I, had a counselor. Counselor told her client, buy a bunch of cheap dishes. Serious, you think I'm lying? Serious. Buy a bunch of cheap dishes, keep them, and so when you get angry, you can go out there and you can just throw them on the floor and break them. Full vent to your anger, the truth is, does not release the anger. It fuels it. It fuels the anger. It, me, it, it doesn't check it. It doesn't release it. What it does is it pours gas on it. The full vent of anger is not healthy. So what is healthy? What do you do when you get angry? When you, what do you do when you get angry and you just have to say something? You just have to say something. What do you do? Well, well you could. You could just tell it. Tell them on God. Read the Proverbs. Read the Psalms. And listen to David. And listen to Moses. And those guys, men, they will just tell God on those people. Tell God. Be a tattletale to God. Let Him know. You wouldn't believe what they did to me. He knew it. He was watching. You wouldn't believe what they did to me. And you vent it to the Lord. 
and then you do what the Lord says about it. You know what the Lord's question to you? Would you really have it out with God? When you really vent it out to God? When you're really going to blow it up? You know what his first question is to somebody who's angry? You remember? I, and I don't even know that you know. We've never studied it this way. First guy in the Bible that got angry. Cain. First question God asked Cain when he was discussing his anger. Why are you angry? Ask yourself that. Why are you really angry? And tell God. Explain that to God. I'm really angry because of this. I'm really angry because of that. I'm really, explain it. Vent it to God. Now also know that it is helpful. The Bible says so. Proverbs says so. That if you've got a brother, if you've got a sister that can help you deal with that anger, you let them help you. But it's not the tattletale anger that Brad was talking about. And it's not the burn, the scorch, the eyebrows off your loved one that kind of anger. Uh-uh. It's, I've got to talk to you about something, Rex. I've got to tell you something. I've got to tell you something. I've got to talk to you. I've got to get this out. And you let that out with somebody who can help you figure out how to keep it under control. You don't have to tell me what. I'd just like to, I'd like to see, because anger is mentioned so much in this chapter, I wondered how many of us it affected. How many of you ever did anything out of anger that you still regret? You still regret it. You did it out of anger and you still regret it. Okay. Yeah, I thought it would be high. All right. All right, now let's go to the last one. Let's go to the last one. Verse 25. There's another snare, and then I'm going to hush. What's the snare here? What does he call? What's the, what does he say? The snare is here. The fear of man is a snare. See it? The fear of man is a snare. It'll prove to be a snare. Uh, what does he mean? Put it in our words. Put it in our language. What does it mean to fear man? Worry about what they think. Trying to please them instead of God. What does it mean? Fear of man. I'm wondering, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? If I do this, let's start in the most intimate relationship we have. Husband and wife. A wife does not make a decision to do what's right in the Lord because she's afraid of what her husband will say or do. A husband doesn't do, doesn't do what he knows the Lord wants him to do because he's afraid of what his wife or his kids might say. Make sense? We do it all the time. Don't we? You learn, we learned a ton of this, learned a ton of this growing up as teenagers. What was the governing principle of our lives during those years? What my friends are going to say. It's, we call it peer pressure to make it easier to speak, speak out. But the truth is, it's we were afraid of what they... They weren't going to invite us to the party. Or they weren't going to like us anymore. Or they were going to drop us as a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And we made decisions early, early, early on 
trying to make sure that we didn't make anybody unhappy with it. Stop, stop, stop. Did you just hear that? Did you hear that? Because some of us are still make our decisions that way. We don't want to make any decision that's going to make anybody upset with us. In fact, so much, it's pushed us so far, and we've talked about it. Uh, I see it more in our ladies than I do our guys, so I'll just say it to our ladies right now, and then I, until our guys are ready to admit that we have the same problem, ladies, this is on y'all. But some of you believe that if somebody's upset with you, then it's your fault. If anybody's upset with you, it's your fault. You did something wrong. And you've spent a lifetime apologizing. You've spent a lifetime apologizing to somebody because their feelings are hurt or because they're upset with you when it was not your fault. So what can that do to you? From the text, what can that do to you? It can snare you. Now what's the point of a snare? It's a trap. What's the point of a trap? It's destroy. It's meant to destroy you. It's death. That's why you trap an animal. Is you're going to destroy them. Or just to keep you where you are until you die. Yeah, keep you till you, yeah. Just keep you pinned up where you can't go anywhere, do anything until you die. So the, can my fear of man destroy me? Yeah. So how do I break that? How do I break that? Yeah, look at the last phrase. You're right. You're right. Look at the last phrase. You trust the Lord. You, tr you do it His way. Trust the Lord. Somebody didn't like what you said. If you did it because you were trusting the Lord, you did it because that's what you thought the Lord did. If you did something that you thought the Lord wanted you to do and everybody in the world is upset with you, guess what? Say it. You are you're safe. The Lord will keep you safe. Yeah, but somebody might say something. I understand, but you'll be safe. Yeah, but they might not like me. I understand, but you'll be safe. Well, yeah, but I don't... Finish the sentence however you want to. The promise from God is if you trust Him, if you'll do it His way, if you'll listen to His wisdom, follow His will, you will be safe. Oh, I just don't know what to do. She's upset with me. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. She, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do I do? I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I don't lean on my understanding. I acknowledge Him in all my ways, and He will make my path straight. He will keep me Say, everybody say it. He will keep me safe. Best example I know of that's Jesus, right? Anybody ever upset with Jesus? Nobody ever loved people like Jesus did. And people were still upset with Him. Nobody ever did for people what Jesus did. And they still were upset with Him. Nobody was as unselfish and as helpful and as caring and as loving as Jesus was. And they still got jealous of Him and were hateful to Him. So what do we expect? What do we expect? If we try to live like Jesus, 
Is everybody going to be happy with us? No. But he will keep us safe. Let's eat the supper remembering that. Let's remember his intent is to keep us safe.